You're listening to The Sick Mom's Guide, episode 29. Welcome to The Sick Mom's Guide podcast. If my mom can do it, you can too. I'm Jen Hardy. I'm the mom of seven children. At the date of this recording, their ages range from 6 to 28. I'm married to the man of my dreams, and I have multiple eclectic chronic diseases. Throughout this parenting journey, I've come up with systems and ways to handle juggling it all while staying positive and moving forward, even when my body's pushing back. I've created this podcast because I believe that if we start opening up, stop being ashamed, and ditch the guilt, then as a community, I am so lucky today to be able to talk to Perijat Deshpande. She is the author of a book called Pregnancy Brain. And yes, we are going to be talking about high-risk pregnancy today, but stick around even if you're not planning on becoming pregnant, because this is some amazing stuff. She's going to talk about anxiety and not just the kind of anxiety in our minds, but the anxiety that's in our body and how we can release that and how it can make us feel better. And if you know anybody who is pregnant or planning on becoming pregnant, please share this episode because she's got some great things that she talks about, not just high-risk pregnancies, but things that can help you with any pregnancy or with chronic illness. I love talking to her and here she is. Hi, Perry Jot. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I have read, I went to your website and I read a lot of the articles that you have on there. If, if people go to the the press side of your website. And you have written some really incredible things for moms and how to lose the guilt and all the kind of things that I'm trying to share too. And thank you so much for sharing your brilliance with the world because you've got some amazing things out there. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> and, uh, and you have an amazing story too. And and this is parenting month. So we're talking a lot about parenting. And the very beginning of that is pregnancy. And um, I had two high-risk pregnancies. I was 41 and 43 with my last ones. And I wish I would have had someone like you to talk to because I really struggled with them. So I know you had a high-risk pregnancy, but did you have health issues before you started, before that journey, or did they start then? I did. I was diagnosed with severe endometriosis about a year before we started fertility treatment. And that was actually why we started fertility treatment and why we started trying so soon. We had wanted to wait a couple of years after we'd gotten married to um, start building our family. And after that diagnosis, we were told, you know, the window is actually quite small and it's closing. Even though I was in my 20s, um, the window was closing very, very early. So that's how we started on our family building journey. Wow. And that can be very painful too, can't it? It's very debilitating. Absolutely. I mean, it had gotten to the point where I couldn't walk. I couldn't sit. I was going several days a month without eating. It was, it was just awful. Oh yeah. That sounds really awful. But you decided to go through and become pregnant. Yes. And that yeah. So we, it did. It worked the very first cycle we did. And then I lost that baby due to a ruptured ectopic. Oh, I'm so sorry. And thank you. Yeah, it was it was scary and overwhelming and so sad. And we had the best surgeon I could possibly have who did that surgery for me. Um who who did such a great job of I obviously don't remember this, but my husband he talked she talked to my husband about 
you know, this is what the physical recovery is going to be like. She's going to be anemic for a long time. She lost a lot of blood, this and that. But give her about three to five days and then the loss is going to hit her and she's going to be devastated. And so you need to be there. And I'd never heard of a doctor talking about a patient's emotional state like that before. And he remembered that and he took that to heart and he kind of had that in the back of his head. And it was really right around there, right about three days after the surgery, the anesthesia had worn off, the pain meds had worn off. And then it just hit me like a truck that I had been pregnant and I lost the baby and I lost a body part in the process too. Um, So thankfully she was there for that. Um, We learned very quickly because of that, that um, there was no other option for me other than IVF because the remaining tube, fallopian tube that I had was not working. So we went into IVF after I'd given my body enough time to heal and given myself mentally enough time to wrap my head around doing this again and being prepared for what was to come. And that pregnancy was the one that was very high risk. I ended up developing my first complication before I even knew I was pregnant. And it was so severe that I ended up in the hospital. We didn't know that I was pregnant at the time. And it was just, it was terrifying. Every few weeks, just a new complication would come up. And we never knew if this was the baby we were going to bring home or not. Now, were those complications from the endometriosis? No, no, they were all brand new. So the first complication was a rare complication from IVF itself, in vitro fertilization. It's a complication that comes from when you do an egg retrieval and then transfer right after and get pregnant. It's it's um, called ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. And then everything after that was a complication from the pregnancy, one related to the, the umbilical cord, one related to the cervix, one related to, and then I developed preterm, I went into preterm labor at about 19 weeks. 18 weeks and landed in the hospital at 22 weeks and four days, three centimeters dilated. And that was just the biggest fight of my entire life. Doctors were convinced I wasn't going to stay pregnant. I was going to lose this baby. And it was in that moment. I, I was not ready to stop fighting. I don't know what mother is, right? We're fighting for our children for the rest of our lives. And I thought, well, you know, if medicine has reached its limit, I haven't. I want to do what I can. I knew that my contractions got worse when I was in pain, when I was uncomfortable, when my anxiety was high. So my goal was stay out of pain, get comfortable, and bring my anxiety down. And because I was monitored 24-7, you could see the the impact immediately. The, mi- the minute I'd have those moments where I'm like, wait, how early is it? And how far away from viability? And how contractions would spike immediately. Nurses would be running in the room going, what's going on? Is this it? And when I managed it properly, when I, that was my one and only goal, when I was handling it as best as I could, the contractions stopped. And by doing that in combination with the medical therapies that I was receiving, I was able to stay pregnant for another 15 days. And that was just long enough to give my son a chance at life it's way too early for a baby to be born. I would never wish that on anybody, but it's it's better than where we were had I really trusted the doctors completely and said, this was it at 22 plus four. I, my son wouldn't be here today. That's so amazing. And it's just, you know, it's just another testament to a mother's will and tenacity. And and not that it's somebody who hasn't got that far has failed, but just Absolutely. That sometimes when the doctors tell us, you know, this is not going to work. 
sometimes we can fight through and make it work. And I think what you're doing is so wonderful because you're focusing not just on the physical, but on the emotional. Because I know when I was 41, I was pregnant. My husband was in Iraq. <laughs> there was a lot of stress. And um, I know that that had a lot of, of the effect of my on my pregnancy because I was on bed rest from about 19 weeks on as well. I didn't have her until full term, but it was just a very tumultuous pregnancy. So, Absolutely. but I didn't have someone, you know, to come alongside me and hold my hand, if, even if it was figuratively and say, Hey, if we just calm down and relax, things are going to be better. You know, I just stayed in panic mode, I think the whole time. Yeah. And I think a lot of women do because there's nobody out there teaching them how to do this. This is this is the bulk of the work that I do. And, and I actually just had um, a whole workshop about this this morning about how it's not the thoughts that are in our head that are the issue. The anxiety is going to be high. The what ifs are going to happen. It's the anxiety that's sitting in our body. That's the one that we need to release because that's the one that's impacting our reproductive health. I mean, health in general, but especially our reproductive health. So do you have any tips for how to release that physical anxiety? Yeah, I it's all kinds of physical type exercises. So anything that's going to relax your body, sometimes massage is a great option. Uh, I sometimes exercise works most of the time it doesn't because it actually increases your stress hormones for a good reason. It's it's not bad for you. Of course, it's very good for you. But when you're already at a high level of anxiety and stress, sometimes exercise makes it work. So, And then sometimes, like you and me, aren't allowed to exercise during pregnancy. So there's that. So something like massage, something like yoga, stretching is great. If you can do deep breathing, I like to teach it as breathing in for a count of four or five and breathing out for double and it does wonders. If you can actually see blood pressure dropping when you do that, you can actually see blood glucose levels changing when you do it that way. But it's anything that relaxes your body. We're not, I, I say this all the time my, to my clients. I say it all the time in my book and on my website, everywhere. It doesn't matter what's happening in your head. It matters what's happening in your body, especially when you're pregnant. And so any type of physical relaxation like that is going to be tremendously powerful and helpful. Okay. Well, see, that's really good to know because people who aren't pregnant who have chronic illnesses, we tend to have a lot of anxiety, <laughs> worrying about and all these things. And I know stress makes it so much worse. And, but when people that's say nice. just relax, well, that's very hard to do. It you is know? very hard I mean, to we, do. We yeah. can sit back and choose to, to a some degree, but like you're saying, it's a different anxiety in your body that's changing things in your body. Exactly. And there's actually physiological changes that happen to your immune system, your hormonal system, and your nervous system that actually exacerbate the complications you have or put you at risk for additional complications. So it's not that you're causing them by being anxious. It's that there's actual changes that are happening. And so just relax is terrible advice. But when you do actually lower that physiological stress response in your body, there are actual chemical changes that happen that help you manage and heal the complications that you have. Well, that's fantastic. So you went through all this. It seems like you had most of the pregnancy problems you could have. You had so many. 
I did. <laughs> I think I had a total of eight in 24 weeks. That is so amazing. <laughs> so what happened to your body after you had the baby? So you had this beautiful baby boy. I did. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He's, you know, he, if you saw him, you wouldn't know he's, he's small for his age and he has, which he will lifelong lung issues, chronic lung disease beyond that. You'd never know. It's amazing what the human body can do. It's incredible. It's amazing. It really is. It is. What a wonderful miracle that that is. Yeah. So what happened to your body afterwards? Did you bounce right back after you had him? Well, it's interesting. So in terms of bouncing back, we think of size, body size, right? Well, I wasn't pregnant very long, so I didn't gain very much weight. And I was on bed rest for uh, 18 of the 24 weeks. So I'd lost a lot of muscle mass. So in terms of body size, I was back in pre-pregnancy clothes in two weeks because I just wasn't pregnant long enough to lose, just lost the weight extremely quickly. But I had also lost so much muscle mass so much strength, so much stamina that I couldn't walk up the stairs without help. I couldn't bend down to pick something that fell off, fell to the floor without help for months after he was born, months and months. And um, I just, my body, I could just feel was just in chaos. And it was trying to heal from the the pregnancy. I was trying to pump. So all the hormones were still going. And then I was tremendously stressed. My stress levels were through the roof for a very long time because my son was in the NICU for 109 days and they wouldn't tell us that he would come home until he was a little over two months old. It just, it wasn't even a, it was, it was a question whether he would survive still for two months he was there. And then the final, um, many weeks, then it was just about getting him strong enough to come home. So my stress was out of control. I didn't take care of myself. I'll be the first to admit I did a terrible job of taking care of myself. I mean, I ate, I slept when I could, I had water, and that's kind of it. And I am certain that because of that stress, because of everything my body had been through up until that point, the fertility treatment, the surgery, this all happened in the course of one year, right? Because I didn't stay pregnant very long. So that entire year, I had the ruptured ectopic, two fertility treatment cycles, so all the hormones, this pregnancy with all the stuff, bed rest, the NICU. I am certain that because of all of that, that's why I developed an autoimmune disease. Never had it before. Never, never had any issues. And all of a sudden, one day I woke up, had all the symptoms, and I said, what is this? Really? (laughs) Really? We're doing this? My body was like, yeah, we're doing this. You're not paying attention, so we're doing this. So have you found that other women have experienced the same thing after they've gone through a high-risk pregnancy? I have. That is the interesting thing. Not everybody, but especially I have found women who deliver preterm go on to develop some kind of health complication, and I am certain stress plays a huge role in that. It's this model of you've got, um, you know, you've got your genes, you have all of that that is playing into your health and what happens to you. And then you add stress on top of it. And there's certain genes that turn on or turn off because of that stress and the chemical changes that happen in your body when you experience that type of stress. And that stress can come from anxiety. It can come from pain. It can come from inflammation, lack of sleep, dehydration, poor nutrition. I mean, there's so many different ways, right? You don't have to feel anxious to be under stress and have that stress response on. And so you combine the two together 
which in the case of a high-risk pregnancy, it's a very physically stressful experience. And then you deliver preterms, you have birth trauma on top of that, and then you have the, the emotional and physical stress of keeping up with a baby in the NICU. I am not surprised that so many women end up developing long-term complications because of that. Right. Because there's there's a lot of things that can cause a stress, but I feel like the the life and death situation with your own child, I feel like that is the biggest stress you could ever have. Absolutely. And personally, I've had a child in the NICU. My fourth one, um, he had no heartbeat or breathing for a minute and a half. And then he spent some time in there. And I think it's a it's very it's very unnatural as far as yeah. parenting goes, because as a mom, you want to hold that baby and nurse the baby and be with the baby. And people are telling right. you that you can't. Right. Right. And so you can touch them in certain ways, but only as other people tell you. And I feel like that was very traumatic. And it only, for me, it was Absolutely. only a few days. But to, ha- but to see my baby and have other people say, you can't touch the baby. And you know yep. that you want the baby to live. So you're listening, but it's so so difficult. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you add on the the environment of the NICU. It's loud in there. Monitors going off all the time. You don't understand what the beeping is. Even as, you know, I consider myself a NICU veteran because we were there for so long. At some point you do start recognizing just as the, the medical professionals do, oh, that's this beep. Oh, that's beep. You don't have to look, but you still hear it all the time. That That kind of noise pollution is always there. And then you add on to the fact that we know how important rest and recovery is postpartum immediately after delivery, even if you've delivered preterm. And if you have a baby in the NICU, that doesn't exist. You go from fighting for your baby during pregnancy, fighting for your baby during delivery, to now fighting for your baby in one of the loudest, most chaotic places that you can be, hoping your baby survives, no matter when they come. And it just creates this situation in your body where your body's constantly fighting and there's no reprieve from it. Yeah, that's, and that's so tough. So if let's say a woman has a high risk pregnancy and their child isn't in the NICU, if they get to bring the baby home, how long do you feel like moms should rest? Because I know in our culture, people expect you to bounce back the day after or two days after and just get up and do what we're doing, right? Um, Right. What do you think right. is, is a good, healthy time for a woman to rest? It really depends. And, and I know that's a frustrating answer to hear, but it really depends because if you are on extended bed rest, your body's going to need extra time. There is a 0% chance your body is ready for exercise six weeks after when you get your six weeks clearance from your, from your OBGYN. 0%. Don't even count on it. You've got to go very, very slowly. And that's just the physical recovery. I mean, that it, it also depends on what happened during the de- delivery. Did you lose a lot of blood? What was happening during the pregnancy? Were you on a lot of ma- medications that could have longer effects that you take some time to recover from? So I say, I mean, don't count on six weeks. Don't count on eight weeks for sure. It's likely much, much, much longer than that. And now we're, we're seeing that it's actually true even for full-term deliveries that the six to eight week mark is completely insane to expect even somebody with a healthy pregnancy and a healthy delivery to get back on her feet. It takes a long time. And then you add on the emotional recovery that I have found women who have gone through a high risk pregnancy, even if they got to bring the baby home, delivery was fine, baby was fine, they got home 
just as expected, there's around the eight to 12 week mark is when everything hits the trauma of the pregnancy, the trauma of the delivery. And that happens because now you're safe. You're safe. Your baby's safe. It's usually about eight to 12 weeks after, after baby comes home. And that happens for NICU moms too. It's after baby comes home. Right. And that's when it all hits. And that's also when all the support is gone. Exactly. And I found for me, cause I've, I've had six children, so I have a stepdaughter, but I've, I've given birth to six children. And in looking back, it took me, me personally at least a year for my brain to be to for me to just think the way I thought before I had the baby. Absolutely, and to mm-hmm. think clearly. So that's I think it's really interesting because you've written a book called Pregnancy Brain. So, I did. Yes. So what is what is that about? The pre- the book Pregnancy Brain is all about the mind body approach to stress management. What I found when I went through those last 15 days of my pregnancy, and when I saw that I could manage my complications, my especially my preterm contractions, which were like the biggest enemy at the time, when I could do that by managing my pain, my discomfort, and my anxiety, and I could see the impact, I knew that I had to come back and look more into this. There's got to be something there. And as I dug into it, as I built my practice and started working with more women who had very similar results... And I started looking at the research. There's 70 plus years of research that show the impact of stress on pregnancy complications, on developing them, on managing them, and on actually um, reducing the risk for them so that you can stay pregnant as long as possible. And so pregnancy brain is all about my personal journey to show readers that they are not alone when they're going through all the ups and downs and craziness of a high-risk pregnancy client stories to show all the stories of hope of what's possible when you tap into that mind-body approach to stress management. This is not about cognitive strategies at all. This is all about the physical stress response that you're having. And it's all backed by over 70 years of research and science that show why this happens. Because the worst thing that I had when I was going through my high-risk pregnancy was my doctor telling me, and I loved my doctor's, but it drove me crazy when they said, there's nothing we can do. Let's just wait and see. And I went, do you understand? I'm, I'm a list maker. I'm a planner. I do things. I can't just sit here and wait and see. That's not okay with me. And this book is meant to, to fill that gap. So when your doctor says, wait and see, here are still all these other things you can do that have been shown to help during pregnancy, help you manage your complications, even help potentially prolong your pregnancy for a little while, whether it's a few days, a few weeks, or a few months, and help prepare you for labor and delivery so that you're prepared for what comes next whenever that happens. I think that's fantastic. I think every pregnant woman should have your book, whether it's high risk or not. Oh, thank I you. I really do because there's, yeah. there's so many emotional things happening and to have somebody say, this is normal, this is whatever, you know, and yes, it'll help high risk, but I feel like having those strategies in place because, you know, life happens when you're pregnant and Absolutely. tragedies happen and good and bad happens and to have that book and, and know, okay, there's been a problem and I'm feeling very anxious and I can feel it in my body. And this is how I can help it while I'm pregnant safely. Absolutely. Baby, would be fabulous. I think for any pregnant woman. So yeah, absolutely. So Thank you. you wrote that. I, I do. I wish I could, I wish I could have had it when I was pregnant. <laughs> you know, I had, I had, uh, my husband was gone and I had 
four teenage kids at home. And boy, I really took out my anxiety, my poor kids. Um, because that was just a, such a tough time. Yeah. And, and like you said, you know, the doctors, well, the doctors, when I got pregnant at 41, um, said, you cannot have this baby because you're too old. Mm-hmm. And uh, wow. so we found a new doctor <laughs> because Good for you. Los Angeles people were starting then. Um, but then when I moved to the South, people had, had their children young, I guess. And so this doctor was like, no, 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 you can't even do this. And, and we knew that we could. So but um, but but I like that you, you know you do need to listen to your medical provider about certain things, but that they are fallible, and that there are other things you can do that aren't specifically medical. Exactly. And there's so much research, even in the book, about how when you do these strategies, it actually makes the medical treatment more effective. So the idea is not this or that. It's not at all get rid of the traditional medical model and let's try something new. That's absolutely not it. I'm living proof of the fact that without modern medicine, I would not have my family. But that's not it. It's not the only thing. And that's true, I'm sure, as you've seen with any chronic illness, any kind of health complication, modern medicine is absolutely helpful as one of many tools. Exactly. Right. Because I wouldn't want to tell anyone, oh, you have a high risk pregnancy, don't listen to your doctor. No, no, no. (laughs) <laughs> right. No, no, no. There are, there are many medicines that. that will keep that baby alive and you do want to follow their advice. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, it just, it all ties back to the health of the pregnancy and the health of the baby. When you do these strategies, when you have the right tools in place, it actually transcends into the body and changes chemically the body and ultimately the baby that you're growing. And, and like There's, for you, I mean, those 15 days, that was the difference between life and having your family and not. Yeah. It was. It really was. So how amazing. That's so amazing. Well, if, if you were talking to a woman with a high-risk pregnancy, you could give her one piece of advice. What would you say? I would say trust your body. Your doctor is the medical expert in the room, but they will never be the expert on your body. That's you. So don't ever forget that bring your expertise into the room, make them listen, explain to them what's going on as clearly as you can. And if they won't listen, walk away. It is not worth the regret, the guilt, the questions, and all of that afterwards, uh, just because you're trying to please somebody. If they are not listening to what you know about your body, even if you can't explain why it's happening, if they're not listening, walk away and get somebody else. Okay. That's really, really good advice. I think a lot of times we put what we know about our body on on the back burner. We do. We do. We fall victim to the white coat syndrome. Like, oh, you've got the expertise, you've got the education. And they do. And they do. And they they have knowledge that we don't have. Totally, totally understandable. Great. That's why we work with them. But that's not the only knowledge that we need to count on. Okay. That's really good to know. And the last question, what is your superpower? Oh, what's my superpower? Um, <laughs> you know, I think it is being able to put somebody else's experience into words when they can't. I've been told by clients, friends, family, there's just something I'm able to gather from someone and then put into words to really hit home exactly what they're feeling in a way that really describes it, but they could never find the words themselves. Well, that is a great super 
superpower because a lot of us need help with those things sometimes. Yes, totally understand that. I do too, but (laughs) that's awesome. Okay. So if someone's listening and they want to get your book, where can they find your book? You can get it. uh, The best place is just go straight to the book website, pregnancybrainbook.com. It's available on Kindle and paperback on Amazon. It's available on barnesandnoble.com. You can request it from your library, anywhere you want to look. Okay. That's great. And where can people find you if they want to learn more about you and the great things that you've written and done? You can go over to my website, which is parijatdeshpande.com, P-A-R-I-J-A-T-D-E-S-H-P-A-N-D-E.com. Okay. And I'll have the links for that in the show notes. So that'll be great. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This was wonderful. I believe that she's going to revolutionize how we see pregnancy in the future. Finally, we can work with our medical doctors to help with the medical aspect and have somebody on the emotional side teaching us how to handle those things that keep rolling along in our lives, whether it's a high-risk pregnancy or a normal pregnancy, and keep moving forward in a healthy way for ourselves and for our children. So thank you again for being here today. I really appreciate you listening. And I can't wait to talk to you next week. We're going to finish our parenting month next week with an episode about parenting special needs children while you have a diagnosis yourself. It's going to be very enlightening. If you don't have special needs children, there's still going to be things for you in the episode. So I highly encourage you to come back. And if you want to be sure to get that episode, I'd love it if you'd subscribe to the podcast. That way, everyone's going to come to you Wednesday when they are released. So thank you again. My music today is A New Day by Scott Holmes. Look forward to talking to you next week. 